Chapter twenty one of the Princess Passes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Princess Passes by C. N. and A. M. Williamson. Chapter twenty one. The Challenge. Do I indeed lack courage? inquired Mr. Archer of himself. Courage that does not fail a weasel or a rat. That is a brutish faculty. R. L. Stevenson. I drank my black coffee and smoked a cigarette. Then a glance at my watch told me that it was time to keep the appointment at the Villa des Fleurs, five minutes' walk from the hotel. I expected the Contessa's party to be late, but somewhat to my surprise they had already arrived, and a quick glance showed me that, outwardly at least, the relations of all were still amicable. Signor Boy did not wish to come, said the Contessa to me, but I made him. He says that he does not like crowds look at him now he has wandered far from us already probably to find some dark corner where he can forget that there are too many people but then it was sweet of him to come at all since it was only to please me it was true the boy had slipped away from the seats we had taken near the music he had gone to avoid me perhaps i said to myself bitterly i need not have spoiled my dinner with anxiety for his welfare he seemed to be taking very good care of himself. I was horribly worried at dinner, whispered Gaeta to me, the light of the fireworks playing rosily over her face. Those two, you know of whom I speak, weren't a bit nice to each other. It was Paolo who began it, of course, saying little hateful things that sounded smooth, but had a second meaning, and Signor Boy is not stupid. He did not miss the bad intention, oh, not he, and he said other little things back again, much sharper and wittier than Paolo, who was furious and gnawed his lip. It was most exciting. Did you try to pour oil on the troubled waters? I asked. I was very pleasant to them both, if that is what you mean, first to one and then to the other. After dinner I gave Signor Boy a rose, and Paolo a gardenia. How charming of you, I commented dryly. If that didn't smooth matters, what could? The aeronaut was sitting on Gaeta's left, I on her right, with the baronessa next me on the other side, and both were straining every nerve to hear our confidences, though pretending to be lost in admiration of the feu d'artifice. When the Contessa laughed softly, her little dark head not far from my ear, the Italian sprang up and walked away, unable to endure five minutes of Gaeta's neglect. She and I continued our conversation, though our eyes wandered, mine in search of the boy, hers, I fancy, in quest of the same object. Soon I caught sight of the slim, youthful figure in its rather fantastic evening dress, the becoming dinner jacket, the eaten collar, the loosely tied bow at throat, and the full black knickerbocker trousers, like those worn in the days of Henri Quatre. As I watched it moving through the crowd and finally subsiding in a seat under an isolated tree, I saw the boyish form joined by a tall and manly one. Paolo de Nivoli had followed his young rival and presently came to a stand close to the boy's chair. He folded his arms and looked down into the eyes which were upturned in answer to some word. 
we could not see the expression of the two faces we saw only that the man and the boy were talking spasmodically at first then continuously i do hope they're not quarrelling said gaeta in the seventh heaven of delight of course not i replied annoyed at her frivolity they are too sensible let us make some excuse and go over to them she pleaded i am tired of sitting still there was nothing for it but to obey her whim i took her across the grassy space which divided us from the two under the tree and she began to chatter about the fireworks what did signor boy think of them was not x a charming place but abruptly in the midst of her babble paolo di nivoli swept her away from the boy and me in his best whirlwind manner which doubtless thrilled her with mingled terror and delight nice night isn't it i remarked brilliantly yes said the boy did the contessa give you a good dinner no yes that is i didn't notice perhaps that was natural the boy did not answer but i heard him swallow hard he was on his feet now having risen at gaeta's coming and he stood kicking the grass with the point of his small patent leather toe then suddenly he looked up straight into my face with big dilated eyes what's the matter i asked when still he did not speak oh man i'm in the most awful scrape what's up i should be thankful to tell you about it and get your advice if you were like you used to be it's you who have changed not i no it's you don't let's dispute about it tell me what's the trouble has that bounder been cheeking you worse than that he said things that made me angry and then i cheeked him just now under this tree it began at dinner a little but the particular thing i'm speaking of happened here i couldn't stand it you know what did he say he asked me how old i was at first in such a tone i answered that i was old enough to know my way about i hoped he said he should have thought not as i travelled with my nurse then he wanted to know what was in souris's pack whether i carried condensed milk or my nursing bottle it was all i could do to keep from boxing his ears before every one but i kept still and laughed a little presently i answered in a drawling sort of way saying i needn't tell him that what souris carried was no affair of his because when i came to think of it after all it was quite natural that a great donkey should be interested in a small one by jove you little fire-eater well i had to show him that i was an american anyhow i suppose he was annoyed he was very much annoyed man he's challenged me to fight a duel only think of it a real duel he said i'd have to fight or he'd thrash me for a coward it, it's a horrible scrape but i don't see how i'm going to get out of it with with honour will you if i do have to but look here i won't have him running me through with a sword or anything of that sort i'm afraid i couldn't face that i wouldn't mind a revolver quite as much the big bully i exclaimed but of course it's all rot there can be no question of your fighting him
I don't know. I'd rather do that, if we could have pistols, than have him think an American could be a coward. I'm not a coward, I hope. Only, only I never thought of anything like this. He's going to send a friend of his to call on you. As a friend of mine, he said. I suppose that means a, what do you call him, a second, doesn't it? If I must fight with him, man, you will be my second, won't you? And, and act for me, if that's the right word. Gazing up earnestly, his eyes very big, his face pale, he looked no more than fourteen, and the idea of a duel to the death between this child and Gaeta's whirlwind would have been comic in the extreme had I not been enraged with the whirlwind. I'll be your friend and get you out of the scrape, I said, but it will mean that you must give up the Contessa. Give up the Contessa, echoed the boy. What do I want with the Contessa? I'm sick of the sight of her. Since when? Since the first day we met. I don't think she's even pretty. What you can see in her, I don't know. The silly little giggling thing. There, it's out at last. What I see in her, I repeated. I like that. I always supposed you did, but I can't stand her. Well, of all the... Look here. Why have you been hanging after her, if you... I didn't. I just wasn't going to let you make a fool of yourself over her, and then regret it afterwards. So I... I did my best to take her attention away from you, and I succeeded fairly well. It vexed me to see you falling in love with her. She wasn't worth it. There was never the remotest chance of my doing so. You said there was. I was chaffing, just to hear myself talk. I should have thought you would know that. How could I know? You were always saying how pretty and dainty she was, and quoting poetry about her, while all the time I could read her shallow little mind, and see how different she was from what you imagined. I think I have a fairly clear idea of her limitations. But you told me that you'd planned to go down to Monte Carlo expressly to see the Contessa, and you said that it would perhaps be a wise thing for you to try and fall in love with her. If a man has to try and fall in love with a woman, he's pretty safe. You and I seem to have been playing at cross-purposes, youngster. You thought I was in danger of falling in love, and I thought you were already in. You couldn't have believed it, really. I did, and supposed you wanted me out of the way. I was thinking the same thing about you. You did seem jealous and sulky. I was both, but it was because our friendship had been interfered with, little pal. Oh, man, do you really mean that? Every word of it. I wouldn't give up a talk with you for a kiss from the Contessa, of which, by the way, I'm very unlikely to have the chance. But you... I've been miserable for the last few days. I... I missed you, man. And I you, boy. What an awful pity it is I've got to stand up and be shot, just as we're good friends again, and everything's all right. You've got to do nothing of the sort. Le cher Paolo will, if he is really in earnest and not bluffing, send his friend to me, and matters will be settled, never fear.
I don't fear. At least, I hope I don't. Much. Only I wasn't brought up to expect challenges to duels. They're not in my line. But I won't apologize, whatever happens. No, I won't. I won't. I won't. I dare say it doesn't hurt much being shot. And I suppose he wouldn't be so, so impolite as to shoot me in the face, would he? He is not going to shoot you anywhere, said I. I am glad I told you. I was feeling rather queer. What am I to do? Am I to go back to the villa as if nothing had happened, or what? What might mean coming to my hotel? But you seemed to find my society a bore. That's unkind. It was your own fault that I went to a different hotel at Chatelard. How do you make that out? I can't tell you. I don't suppose you'll ever know. But if you should guess by and by, remembering something you want said, you might understand. Something I want said? Never mind. Please don't talk of it. I'd rather be shot at. But I want you to believe that my reason wasn't the one you thought. Now tell me what you're going to do about Signor Di Nivoli. Have you made a plan? One has popped into my head, I replied. It mayn't answer. But will you give me carte blanche to try? If it doesn't work, I'll get you out of the mess in another way. But this would give us a chance of making Paolo eat humble pie. Do try it, then. I'd risk a lot for that. As for tonight, on the whole, I think the best thing will be for you to go back to the villa. Of course, we mustn't let the Contessa suspect. Little cat, I wouldn't give her the satisfaction. Upon my word, you're not very gallant. I don't care. I'm sick of the Contessa. A plague upon her and all her houses. Yet I wish her nothing worse than that she should marry Paolo. Ugh, a man with his hair on brosse. Probably he is saying, ugh, a boy with curls on his collar. May one of his old balloons fly away with him before he shoots me. Anyhow, he shall find that curls don't make a coward. Only there's just one thing before you treat with him. I won't. I can't be jabbed at with anything sharp. You shan't, said I. With this, the Contessa beckoned from a distance, with news that she was going home. We followed, the boy and I, allowing her to walk far ahead with her triumphant aeronaut, the Baron and Baronessa, radiant with satisfaction in the success of their plot, arm in arm between the two couples. Having seen my little Daniel to the gate of the lion's den, I shook hands cordially with everybody, Paolo last of all. He placed his fingers with haughty reluctance in my ostentatiously proffered palm, but I held the four chilly fish-like things, chilly only for me, long enough to mutter, sotto voce, I want a word with you on a matter of importance. I'll walk up and down the road for twenty minutes. His impulse was to refuse, I could see by the sharp upward toss of his chin, but a certain quality in my look, clearly visible to him in the light of the gate-lamp, I was at some pains to produce the effect. 
warned him that if his bloodthirsty plans were not to be nipped in the red bud he must bend his will to mine in this one instance he answered with a glance and i knew that i should not be kept long on my beat End of chapter twenty one